Okay, um, I was very happy that something worked out for me tonight. I really felt a siyata dishmaya because I, I recently discovered something in a sefer that I was, I was very excited about. And uh, then you have the eight Sahara to do what's called to um, put the arrow in the tree and then draw the bullseye around it. Yeah. Meaning, it's supposed to be a shiran pashas of Shavua, but I really want to give over this thing I found. And let's see if it, how it can turn into the parsha. You know, you can always do what they say. The old darshan only had one drasha, about parsha's korach. So he would get up there, and he was about to speak, and he dropped his pen, said, oh, this pen fell just like korach, and his ada fell into the earth. Once we're talking about korach, you, know, you would have... But here, the Maisa, it really does connect to the parsha, really and naturally. So here it is. I'll tell you first what I got so excited about. There's, there's a safer that I bought a long time ago, right? This is it. It even says that it was on sale for 30 shekel. Okay, um, and it is uh, summaries of shiurim given by a very, very interesting Jew named Rav Shlomo Hoffman. Rav Shlomo Hoffman was born in Czechoslovakia, came to Eretz Yisrael as a young man. As a boy, he learned um, first in, I think, Petach Tikva, then he learned in the Hebron Yeshiva. And uh, he had many amazing connections with many gedolim. In other words, Hebron didn't really have their dormitory set up in Yerushalayim, so he slept in the house of Rav Shlomke Zvila, Zvila Rebbe, Rav Shlomke. And he had uh, connections with that. And he um, was a very, his primary connection with, was with Rabbi Isaac Sher. Rabbi Isaac Sher was the son-in-law of Alter Slobodka, who didn't come when the yeshiva moved to Hebron. He came afterwards. He was running the yeshiva in Slobodka, and then when he came here, he, he would speak a lot in Yerushalayim, and he founded the Slobodki Yeshiva in B'nai Brak. But Rav um, Moshe Shapir Zetzal said that this Rav Shlomo Hoffman was the last Talmud of Rav Isaac Sher. And he himself said that he, he thought about the things Rav Isaac taught him virtually every day. Now, they got him involved first in dealing with the youth aliyah, meaning trying to get him involved in the system because so many... Kids were coming to Eretz Yisrael and losing their connection with Yiddishkeit. What year are we 1940s, really beginning of the state. And then he had this opening. They were looking for people to be counselors in the Israeli prison system. Okay? And they needed, and, and he joined up. In those days, you didn't need particular degrees or whatever. In public school system also. Oh, really? Just you could go into the teaching. So that was it. So, so yeah, he went with, in. With, with, with no degrees, he was, he was the, oh, the Wild West. That was the, so, so he went into that, and there he used a lot of the Torah that he got from his Rebbeim in the idea of rehabilitation, which in essence is tshuva, right? To guide them through that process in the prison system. Along with that, Gedol Yisrael were sending him teachers and Rosh Hashivas and Mashgichim and private individuals to receive counseling and guidance, and he would give these vadim, these shurim in his house to guide people. And only after he passed away, he had given permission for Talmidim to print, and a lot is coming out now. They begin to start translating into English. So like many shurim that I get excited about, they're on the shelf, and I'd read the biography in the beginning that was interesting, but I didn't really dig in. I opened up, and this is what I found, which is a real game changer for Chodesh but really throughout the year. Okay, he says, he talks about a discussion he had with the Rosh Yeshiva of the Hebron Yeshiva in 1948, Recheskel Sarna. 
He said, I was walking down the hallway in the yeshiva, and the Rosh Yeshiva of Cheskel Sarno walked by me, and he said, why do you look so sad and serious? Atsuv Uritzini. So he answered, he said, it's Tshuva. The days between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, the days of Tshuva. So Rav said to him, who said that in Aserisimei Tshuva you don't have to be happy? So he said, I answered him, he said, I'm, I'm learning about the mitzvah of Tshuva, and it's impossible, who can right, fulfill it? The Rambam says, okay, and we'll look at this Rambam in a second, he says, what is the level of tshuva you're supposed to reach? Until the one who knows the secret depths of a person will testify that you're not going to go back to that Aver again anymore. Many, many people who read that Rambam have a very hard time then approaching Yom Noraim, right? Because, again, if we're using me as an example, I'm not the greatest example, right? Every year I say, And I know that I'm probably going to be saying it the next year and have what to say for. Okay? So that means that if the Yodea Talumas, HaKadosh Baruch looks into the Kishkas of Schuster, right, in Elul, he says, do I see deep, deep, deep inside that he's never going to say Lashon Har again? No, I don't see that. And the Ramam said, this is the way of tshuva. This is the definition of tshuva. That's what the young Shlomo Hoffman as a yeshiva bacher was overwhelmed with. And that's what Chatzka Levenstein saw. Okay, now I will mention parenthetically that there are many approaches even to what the Rambam says Explain, obviously a person can't promise to HaKadosh Baruch Hu what's going to happen, you know, and they explain it, it has an idea of, of what you really want inside, that at that moment at least you don't want, there are different approaches, but Rav Chatzkel didn't go that way, he said the following, he said he began, the Rosh Hashiva began to scream at me, he said, why are you being machmir like the Rambam? Why are you being machmir like the Rambam? We are maker like Rabbeinu Yonah. He says, you need to know the Teresh Peh that goes in the world of Torah, it's true. There's the Rambam, but there's Rabbeinu Yonah. And he's saying, Rav Hatzel got these things from the altar of Slobodka, who got from uh, the altar of Kelman, Rabbi Salanter. says, Rabbeinu Yonah says, the Iker Chi of Tshuva is for a person to go from a status of what's called Yisyatsev al Derech Lotov, if a person is standing, he's on the wrong road, to go to Yisyatsev al Derech Tov. To get on the right road. Okay, and he says it's meduyak in the Gemara. This fits into what it says in the Gemara. The Gemara says, Yom HaKippurim Mechaper Lashovin. Yom Kippur atones for people that are doing tshuva. He says, note that it doesn't say to those that completed tshuva, but to those who are in the process of tshuva. He says that means if you're on that path, that's the Hagdara of Shovin. Okay, and he gave him an example. He said, let's say a man wants to drive from Yushalayim to Bnei Brak. The drive is taking longer than he expected. Right? It's getting on two hours already, and he pulls into a gas station, and he says, uh, am I close to Bnei Brak? The guy says, if you call three hours close, you're close. He says, what three hours? He says, I've been on the road. He says, you're in Beersheva, sir. Okay, you must have taken a wrong turn. And you were going south, and you should have been going the other way. He says, the moment that person pulls out of the gas station and turns his car towards Bnei Barak, that's true. He's on the Derech Tov. Okay, he's on that Derech Tov. Now, he says like this, 
he says, that means that this can be a very long process. He said, do you think that within a week between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, a person can do tshuva shlema, total tshuva? In one week, you can change and suddenly perfectly fulfill thousands of sifim in Shulchan Aruch. You don't even have time to read them. Okay, he said, it's a mistake. He says, tshuva is not what you do in a minute. He says, in Aserasi Me Tshuva, you're searching for a direction. And you're searching to get onto that right path. How long will it take you to get there? Could be 120 years. He says, that's it. Rabbeinu Yonah is saying that what you have to do is to get onto that path. And he told them, this is something you have to teach the other Bachrim. That tshuva is not something you do in a minute. The essence of tshuva is a long process. doesn't matter if it's 20 years, 80 years, 120 years. The fact that you're on and in the process, that gives you this definition of shoving, of tshuva. That's gold. That is very, very important. I, I know so many people have been tortured by their understanding of the Rambam that way and, and have the sense that that's it. I'm, I'm going to get a failing grade on Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. It's not for me. So here, this is a very important piece. What does this have to do with our parsha? So, when Am Yisrael are traveling to Har Sinai, the Pesach says, Vayis'u mirfidim. They traveled from a place called Rifidim. Vayavo midbar Sinai, vayachinu bamidbar. They came to the desert of Sinai, and they camped in the desert. So, Rashi says, Vayis'u mirfidim. So he says, Lama Lachzor the first Mehechan Nasol. Why did he have to tell us where they came from? Kvar Kosov Shibirfidim Hayuchonim. It already told us that they camped in a place called Rafidim. So now if they're moving on, right, that's where they're going from. He says, Biaduo Shemisham Naso. El Lahaki Ish Nisyosan Mirafidim Libyosan Harsinai. To make a hekesh, to make a connection between their status when they traveled from Rafidim and their status when they arrived in Midbar Sinai. Ma biyosan b'midbar Sinai b'tshuva, just as their arrival in Midbar Sinai was when they were in a state of tshuva, af nisiyosan mirafidim b'tshuva. They also traveled from rafidim b'tshuva. Now there's a lot of unknowns behind this Rashi. Okay, first of all, what were they doing tshuva for when they traveled from rafidim? What kind of tshuva were they doing when they arrived in Midbar Sinai? So Rafidim, right, Chazal say that it's an acronym, stands for Rafu Yedehem Minat Torah, that their hands weakened, their grip weakened on the Torah. They didn't hold it tightly. Now the Svasemis addresses the question, what is it? they didn't get the Torah yet. Right? How can be their hands weakened on something they didn't get? You could say they'd already received some mitzvahs before, but he explains that they'd weakened the very idea that they could really receive the Torah, that the Torah was for them, that they had that suffix, right? Amalek came right after that. They said, Ayesh Hashem im ayin. is Hashem really among us or not? Then Vayavo Amalek, whose gematria is suffix, when they had that dealt. But the problem is that here, they're starting from, it says, fact, we know they arrived in Midbar Sinai doing tshuva. Therefore, it gives us a hekish that when they traveled from Merfidim, they were also doing tshuva. But what source do we have that they did tshuva in Midbar Sinai? So a couple years ago, we learned the Shem Shmuel, and I saw other Sfarim had this approach. They said, since it says, Vayichan Sham Yisrael Neged that Am Yisrael, singular, camped 
opposite Har Sinai, and Chazal darshaned on that, that they were ki'ish echad b'leiv echad, like one person with one heart, that can only happen if people are doing tshuva. Otherwise, there's too many divisions between us unless we've done tshuva. Okay, that can be even problems cause divisions between us and therefore they get it to Rafidim. Okay, so now the question is, we have the Am Yisrael did tshuva. They did tshuva in Rafidim. They did tshuva in Midbar Sinai. The question is then, if they did tshuva like the simple reading of the Rambam, that the Yodea Talumos looked inside of them and said, that's it. They are never going to return to sin again. How did Chet Egel happen? How did Chet Egel happen? In other words, it's also, you have to realize the tshuva that they did got them over the bar to be able to receive the Torah. The whole process. Moshe Rabbeinu said, they're in Memtesh Shari What schus do they have to come out of Mitzrayim? HaKadosh Baruch Hu told them. When you take them out of Mitzrayim, they're going to serve me on this mountain, meaning they're going to be able to receive the Torah. And the process of Svirasa Omer is getting out of those 49 gates of Tumah, getting into 49 gates of Kedusha. And if they received the Torah, that means they were there. That means they got there. So then how could such people do Cheta Egel? So there's a shocking, many shocking Chazals, and it's based on Psukim and Tilim. Posigan Tilim Perakain Ches, Lamed Vav Lamed Zayin, says, Vayifatuhu Bifihem, and they seduced or tricked Akarish Baruchu with their mouths, Ubil Shonom Yechazvulo, and with their tongues they were untruthful to him, Vilibam Lonochonimo, their hearts weren't really straight with Akarish Baruchu, Vlonemnu Biviso, and they weren't loyal to his bris, to his covenant. What is David HaMelech describing there? Chazal and Bava Kama say, that's about Matan Torah. That's about Matan Torah. Okay? And he says, the Sosefta, right, says like this, V'chein motzinu, k'shoyu Yisrael omdim el Sinai. When Am Yisrael were standing at Har Sinai, bikshu lignov das el They wanted to do on HaKadosh Baruch something that's called Gnevas Das. Gnevas Das is a fascinating form of Gneva. Because, right, we're, we're used to, it's not even what you call intellectual property that you're stealing. That also is a type of Geneva. Here, right, the classic example is that I'm sitting at home, it's been a long day, and I want to treat myself to a little something, so I happen to have this very, very fine bottle of wine, right, that somebody gave me, a 500 shekel bottle of wine, you know, that was crushed by holy feet or something like that, whatever it is, and I pop the cork, and I'm about to relax, and suddenly I see that you're coming to visit me out the window. So you knock on the door, I open up, I said, ah, I saw you coming, I said, now's the time to open that bottle of wine. Right, okay, so here, that's called Geneva's Das. Why? Because the person feels that they're obligated towards me. Right, that they feel that I did something. The whole re- relationship now is based on a lie. Okay, that's something called Geneva's Das. And there are many forms of it. But here it says, Am Yisrael, we're doing this to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Okay, because they said, Kol asher diber Hashem nasev nishma. They said those beautiful words, nasev nishma. HaKadosh Baruch Hu was very impressed. He said, Mi gila roze lebonai. Who revealed the secret to my children? This is the language that the Malachim use. And it says, it looks like, 
right? It looks like that it worked, right? Because in Vos Hanan, describing Matan Torah, Hashem said, Mitin I wish that they would be able to be like this always and forever. Okay? So they say, Could it be that HaKadosh Baruch Hu didn't catch on? Kvanemar, David HaMelech revealed, he knew what was happening. He knew. So what is going on here? What is going on? He gave them the Torah. He praised them for Nasev and Nishma. It says that they weren't true. It says that they were tricking him. And how do we know that that's true? The proof's in the pudding. Cheta Egel happened. Something was wrong. Something was missing what was happening in there. So this I'd heard from the Talna Rebbe. He brought that question down once before Shavuos. And he goes on to explain that this is part of our nature. Kind of similar to what we learned last week from Rebellion Mayor Bloch, that in terms of emotions, right, the idea of being able, Am Yisrael were able to sing to Hashem when the Egyptians were dead, and there was no statement of, like Hashem shut down the Malachim. He said, these Egyptians I made, they're getting destroyed. Don't sing. I'm Yisrael able to sing because we can have two things. So he brings the Zara Kurish says, right? Omar Abelozer, You can have crying in the heart in one side. You can have joy in the heart in the other side. Okay, so therefore, not just emotions, but even here as well. The Yushalmi in Masechah Shkolim says like this. Omar Abi Abba Bar Acha. He says, Baba Baruch says, You can't really understand the nature of this nation. They came to collect gold for the Egel. They donated. Then they came around to collect for the Mishkan. Also, they also gave. Okay, so this is what's, what's been happening. This is what's happening among these people. I think this week is the outside of the Kotsk Rebbe, Menachem Mendel of Kotsk. One of his very famous pithy sayings is he said is, Amenj is amanuta malach amanuta galach. Right? A human being can be one minute an angel, one minute a priest of Avodah That's who we are. We, we shock ourselves sometimes how we can flip from one thing to the other. I'll just tell you, since we're here in the neighborhood, when I was young, I was young once, I, I, I had the privilege of going to the house of Rav Shalom Shvadron, the famous Yushalmi Magid. He lived here in the neighborhood. And um, he had a little group in his house, Motsoi Shabbos. What was special about that group was he spoke in Hebrew. Uh, many of his talks were in Yiddish. This was for boys from the Hebron Yeshiva that uh, didn't understand Yiddish, that spoke Hebrew, and somebody got me to tag along. So I remember once he was saying some very intense stuff, and you could feel the tension in the room. And then he gave this mischievous smile. He was a tremendous actor. He, just his expressions and the way he gave this smile. He says, I got you. Right? I got you. He says, but you know and I know that five minutes after you walk out of here, you're capable of doing anything. So why do I waste my time? He says, I'll tell you a muscle that I told over to big people and they said it's a good muscle. A man is lost in a huge warehouse. It is a big, empty warehouse. It is totally dark. There's no source of light. There is a door to the warehouse, and the door isn't locked. The problem is you have no way of finding the door. Suddenly someone strikes a match, and there's a moment of light, and you can look around, and then it's dark again. You're still in the dark, but now you have a sense of direction toward where the door is. 
That's what I hope to accomplish. He said, that's, that's what I hope to accomplish. So that, in certain ways, is this nature. Okay, now, a person has to realize that you have both of those things in there. HaKadosh Baruch Hu, like Rabbeinu Yonah said, saw, even though that danger was there, even though there was something, there was a flaw inside of them, there was something that came and that led to that Chet the other part in them that was there was true and legitimate. The Nasev and Ishma really was true and legitimate. The fact that there was also a corner inside that had the potential for Cheta Egel didn't stop HaKadosh Baruch Hu from giving them the Torah. Now, based on that Rabbeinu Yonah, it has to mean that their true direction, even though they weren't fully there, their true direction was to be Makabal Torah as it should be. Huh? Yeah, 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 they, it was a, a puncher, like they say here in Israel, right? The, a flat tire went. But, but Lemaisa, that is what and where they wanted to go. Now, how do we know that? So there we have to understand the nature of the Jewish soul. And that's important for a person to know also. Sometimes a person thinks, especially when you surprise yourself with what I call the Galach minute, using the terms of, the Kotzker, and you start to question your identity. Are right? you saying, maybe I, I really don't care about Yiddishkeit. Maybe I'm really a Russia. Maybe, you know, I could be either this or that, and I've now discovered that I'm that. That's not true. We say every morning, Neshama Shenosata Bi Taharahi. The Neshama that you gave to me is Tahar, is pure. That statement's always true. That means deep, deep, deep inside what they call, the Swasemis always talks about the Nakuda Pnimis, the inner point some call it the Pintle Yid, is uncorruptible. It always knows what it is. It always knows where it's going. It always knows where it wants to go. We don't always hear it. We don't always pay attention to it. But it's always there. Okay? That was, uh, they say they asked the Baal Shem Tov, the Baal Shem Tov asked them. Sorry, very practical question. Mishnah Pirkei Yovah says, V'chol yom v'yom baskal yotzeis me'archorev, Every day a baskal comes out from our Sinai and it transmits woe to Am Yisrael from their insult to Torah. Baal Shem Tov asked, anybody ever hear it? <laughs> Why are they broadcasting? Right? Chaval and electricity, what was the transmitter? He says, you do hear it. He says, when you feel those feelings deep inside sometime, that things aren't right, whether it's pangs of conscience or a sense of emptiness or a sense of this, he says, that's the echo of that baskal. You're hearing it, right? It's there, it reverberates. Now, oftentimes we try to shut it down and cover over it, but it's really there, okay? And that's why HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave us the Torah, even though he knew there was going to be a Cheta Ego, right? The Svasemis asked a fascinating question. I guess we'll finish with this. Later on, when we got the second Luchas, right? we got the second Luchas, so Chazal learned something there. They said, you know what we learn? from the fact that the first Matan Torah, the Luchos, were smashed. And the second Matan Torah, the Luchos, stayed. Ein l'chayofa minat tzniyos. Nothing better than tzniyos. They had a nice, simple Matan Torah. It was on Yom Kippur. Everybody did tshuva, they daven. Moshe Rabbeinu came down quietly, gave him the Luchos. Okay, not like the first one. The first one was very grandiose. 
The first one had Kolosubrokim. You had thunder. You had this Kol Shofar that was going eternally. The entire world heard it. The entire world shook. The mountain itself was smoking. The special effect. Everything was amazing. Everyone, but it didn't last. Okay. So Chazal say, better to the Tznius. But who was the party planner for the first one? It wasn't us. It was HaKadosh Baruch He did all of that. So the Svasem has said, because beginnings have to be that way. He says, a beginning must be that way, even if it's not going to last. That's why we still celebrate Shavuos on the giving of the first Luchas. Because we're still propelled by that energy from that time, even though those things didn't last. I always give the mushal, you know, at a, at a wedding. You know, you see the chassan and kal are so excited. And let's say, you know, some of the people have the meaning, they come around table to table to thank the guests for coming and giving them presents and such. Right? So, you know, they're all bright-eyed and excited. And you have a cynical guy at the table saying, yeah, I was like you also 30 years ago. Won't take long, you'll be like me. Right? So like this, ah, what does that mean? You want him to start off that way? Right? It, it, it can't, it, right? You need to start with the, you know, bang, which is there. And then it helps continue and propel for the longer road, which is there. And in fact, that quieter type of thing you build does last longer. For sure, that does last longer, but you can't get there. I always use the muscle of a barbecue, right? In order to light the barbecue, you need big flames. Some people put on the lighter fluid, right? They like to make these big flames. We can't cook on the big flames. That has to die down. And then when the coals are very quiet, then you can cook on it. They look barely burning, right? Like Chazal said, the words of Chachamim are like a coal. Be careful with them. Right, that you shouldn't burn yourself because they look. I actually did this once as a kid, so it's very. Um, I, I picked up what looked like a dead coal. Why I was involved in schmutzy things like that, I don't know. I saw an old barbecue sitting there someplace. Picked up what I thought was a dead coal. My fingers were burnt. That's why that chazal I get so much. People think it's old. People think it's outdated. People think this is fire in there. Okay, so that is what can last for a long time. So therefore. HaKadosh Baruch Hu saw this, and he sees this in us today. And therefore, this message, They went with tshuva, they arrived in tshuva, and that tshuva was real. That tshuva was real, but it wasn't complete. They were on the road to tshuva, but it was complete enough for them to get the Torah. And therefore, we too, even when we're not complete, the Torah is given to us, just as it was given then, you receive the Torah every day. You have to believe in your ability to do it. Believe in your ability to progress. Not to get lackadaisical and say, okay, as long as I'm on the road, you know, and pull over by the side and take a shluff in your car. You've got to be traveling on the highway of tshuva. You've got to be going. But whatever speed you're going, however long it takes, as long as you know where you want to go and you have that clear in your mind, the Torah is yours and it's always yours no matter where you're found on the road. Okay, folks, have a wonderful night.